Our meditation for today is on our Old Testament reading for this first Sunday in Advent, Jeremiah 23, verses 5 through 8. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called, The Lord is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, As the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but... As the Lord lives, who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, then they shall dwell in their own land. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I read an interview a while back, an interview with Trent Reznor from 2013. If you weren't aware, he's the frontman for a music project called Nine Inch Nails. Has been since the late 1980s. Nine Inch Nails used to be known as the darkest industrial band you could imagine, with extremely nihilistic themes in every song, ranging from a hatred of God to sexual perversion to self-loathing, you name a nasty thought, and Trent Reznor has expressed it in an equally nasty song. I admit to my shame that I was a big fan before I became a believer. So anyway, in this interview, he reflects on that a little bit with a clear message to his fans. I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago, where he used to talk the talk and walk the walk with a crippling heroin addiction and serious alcoholism, now he's sober where he used to sing about senseless flings with loose women, now he's married and has children that he is actively trying to raise to be proper adults, even getting embarrassed at his old habit of cursing in all his lyrics. Believe it or not, while once he was known as a supremely anti-Christian artist, he now says he believes in God. Here's to hoping and praying that our Lord saves him given the upward spiral he's in. Something changed about the man, but one thing hasn't. Trent Reznor always sang about two things, past and present. In the catalog of music he made when he was at his lowest, he wrote about pain and trauma from everything he had been through in his past, and then he would sing about his favorite sins in the present. He currently avoids playing these destructive songs that he used to play but still has a similar attitude, writing music with a retrospective tone and giving his opinion on politics, culture, relationships, etc., everything from today. It seems to me that, except for the occasional blurb on the topic of death, Reznor never talks about the future. I wonder if that is the major block that keeps him from moving forward spiritually. Unfortunately, it seems to me that we do that same thing every December. We now enter the season of Advent, where we anticipate celebrating Christmas, anniversary of when our Lord was born. But when I say anticipate, 
It's not us looking forward to anything about the future. We're anticipating the experience of something we have experienced before. It's anticipating the commemoration of Christ's birth, to be sure, but for a whole lot of us, we're chasing a feeling. We want to relive the way it felt the first time to cozy up on the couch under a blanket and watch Christmas movies. We want the excitement of opening up presents, and even if it feels ho-hum for us now, we are all too happy to re-experience it through our children. Like Trent Reznor, we actively try our best to shoo away destructive influences and thoughts and events this season. We don't want to think about our immediate past, or bad circumstances today. We want to hold on to good associations and think about things we can relate to in a positive sense. For one month, we hold on to a Pollyanna view of the world around us, or we talk about the good that we're experiencing in spite of the terrible circumstances outside. We might know deep down we have little to celebrate about the present, but if we could just hold on to that one month this year where we can be of good cheer and sing carols and drink eggnog, then we'll feel as though we accomplished something. Now, I try my best to not be that pastor who endlessly rails against the commercialization of Christmas, how cheap and secular everything has become this time of year, all that. We already know about that terrible holiday attitude where everything is capitalism and advertisements on steroids. We all know we are better off having a Christmas with humble gifts, devotional observances in the traditions we see, and going to church. But this fixation on the past and gluing it to the present is, I believe, something that leads to that commercialization. I'm not speaking of the remembrance of the Incarnation when I speak of this. I'm not saying we ought not remember that it's Christ's birthday on the 25th when we actually celebrate the holiday, by no means. Right now, it's more about the troublesome fixation on the years and traditions and Christmas experiences that formed our deepest memories, with mental cues that we feel as though we just have to follow up on or else we don't have the Christmas spirit or we don't appreciate the times. Companies out there are extremely quick to recognize this and start selling these memories and traditions to us. And they are always successful in getting lots of people to buy. Have you ever wondered why you feel pressured to buy a Christmas tree? Do you think the ad companies out there are really thinking about the tradition Martin Luther established with the devotional importance of the tree and lights and gifts? Of course not. They're selling your childhood back to you and asking that you make room for the presents they want you to buy. This temptation toward chasing a sensation is a hidden hedonism, which would give old Nine Inch Nails songs a run for their money. In our Old Testament reading, our Heavenly Father provides a remedy for this attitude with a prophecy concerning the first advent of our Lord Christ. He says, Behold, the days are coming, not the days have passed, nor the day that was. 
He says concerning the arrival of the Messiah, behold, the days are coming. They will be. Our Lord calls every believer in that moment to look forward to the day when the Savior would arrive. He gives them details, too, that this Messiah would be from King David's line, that he will be king. And unlike literally every human ruler in the history of mankind, he will be perfectly righteous and will set things right. Of course, we understand that this is a prophecy fulfilled in stages, from the Incarnation to the Second Advent. But the specific details Jeremiah is giving here do not matter to the generation he preached to. Instead, he preached a message about something to look forward to. The coming king is prophesied to be wise, just, righteous, and powerful enough to bring his Israel security. He is known as the Lord our righteousness. The word is, by the way, is not in the Hebrew. Showing that this very Savior is going to be divine. And on account of his perfection, believers are counted righteous. No one is considered a good man unless this Messiah is that man's righteousness. While the prophet does not give details regarding the cross or the resurrection, he is giving the basic fundamentals of the gospel in a prophecy about Christmas. Then Jeremiah is given a message about past and future. The people had been taught to say, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, referring back to the great deliverance God worked in the Exodus. But the future redemption he promises with this wise ruler means a shift when the people will say something different. As the Lord lives, who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, the entire religious outlook for the faithful will have changed. Can you imagine this happening to us? Right now at Advent, we remember that Christ incarnated in a human body for us. But can you imagine when we commemorate the day that our Lord returned for our final deliverance? Can you honestly picture a day when God says, No more Christmas or Easter. Time to celebrate how I did something altogether new for you. This is what Jeremiah is telling the children of Judah. He says a shift in focus will happen for all believers, pointing to Christ. Now, did they still recognize the past? Absolutely, the prophet was not telling them to stop celebrating the Passover or speaking of what our Lord had done for them in Egypt. He was not telling them that they should not celebrate the required feast days. To the contrary, he reinforces the practice of recalling what our Lord has done for us. We look to the past to better understand the future. If God was faithful to deliver our spiritual forebears back then, then he will also fulfill his promises to deliver us in the future. And for us, we cannot forget that our Lord Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever, per Hebrews 13, verse 8. He has promised a second advent. The first advent is the proof that he has been faithful before in fulfilling his promises, and so we have good reason to believe he will be faithful to fulfill his promises now. This homily feels a bit like it has been all over the place, hasn't it? 
Let us summarize. We do well to remember the Incarnation during Advent and to recognize that we are in the same position as the Old Testament saints who awaited the arrival of the Messiah in the first century A.D. Absolutely, we are. Trent Reznor could sing all the twisted songs he wanted, and even he would have to admit that our current reality seems more grim than anything he ever put out. The church is beginning to see just how much she is persecuted today. All over the world we are oppressed, repressed, subverted, tortured, tempted, slandered, made to be horribly confused and told endlessly that it's our fault because we are somehow the bad guys here. And this isn't even addressing the slaughter of Christians that has continued to happen all over. It is not hard to feel camaraderie with the faithful who felt the sting of Roman occupation, the failures of the leaders in Jerusalem, and the dilapidated religious life of the half-faithful all around them. And they too could relate to the faithful children of Judah that Jeremiah had preached to 600 years earlier. Back then, everyone held on to the faithfulness of God as illustrated in the Exodus. Today, we hold on to Christmas. But the memory of that great deliverance and our salvation should not be stagnant, beloved. The answer should not be chasing a warm, fuzzy feeling and memories of greedily opening presents when we were kids. That might happen, sure, and we can be happy when God grants us fun experiences, but instead of chasing after a saccharine emotional high, Christian, look forward. Our Lord's first advent is the wind in our sails, pushing us to the confidence that he will come again. We springboard from the reassurance of this season to be able to march into the future, to sing better songs, and to rejoice with our heads held high that upon Christ's return we will be given the fulfillment of everything Jeremiah wrote in our passage for today. We shall dwell securely. We shall be joyous. We shall finally live under justice and righteousness, all thanks to the Lord our righteousness. This season, we remember what he did, so we are assured and rejoice in what he will do. Now the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.